Welcome to Big House. It's great to have you guys here. What an awesome worship, worship set. Juniors, congratulations on getting second place uh, in uh, the cheese ball contest. I really thought you guys were going to win, but way to go sophomores for uh, pulling it out. Um, if you don't know who I am, my name is Ben Feenup. Um, I'm on staff here at Orchardville Church for Big House. If you didn't know, I'm also a mental health counselor, so I stay pretty busy. Um, another fun fact about me, because I know you really care about me, uh, is that my wife and I had our very first child in March. Okay, so I brought some pictures of Emery um, because she is uh, just the cutest thing and she is so much fun. I think she looks just like me. I don't know, what do you guys think? Yeah, yep. Uh, we shaved the mustache because it was freaking people out and there's a lot of confusion and stuff. We have a couple of more pictures if you want to go to the next slide. So yeah, so there's Emery on Saturday at a wedding and that's my wife and there she is. She loves to be on my shoulders. It's where she finds the most joy, but she is way cooler than I am, um, and we're looking for babysitters, so if anyone wants to uh, make some extra money, um, just get in contact with me. Uh, but yeah, she is going to run the world someday, because she is so determined and stubborn, and she knows what she wants, so being a dad for her is really, really awesome. But I'm so happy that you all are here tonight. It is our fourth week of regular programming. It's our last night in the Wonder Wander series. So if you haven't been here um, at all the first three weeks, or you've only been here a couple times, definitely go back and listen to Nikki's teaching, Nolan's teaching, and Dan's teaching, because they are amazing, and they really set up my teaching for tonight. So Nikki kicked us off describing God as this wonderful creator, uh, a God that created the entire universe everything, the stars and the sky, and also every tiny, tiny creature of the earth, and knows every single one of us personally and intimately. And we should be able to just sit in his wonder and awe. The next week, Nolan talked about us wandering away from God's wonder, wandering away from God, and why we do that. And Nolan came to the conclusion that we wander because of sin, and we all wander because of sin, but... We can have hope in pulling ourselves back to that bedpost that he talked about from the movie Poltergeist, which I still haven't seen, but uh, it's a great metaphor. So make sure you have that rope that's still connecting you back to God. And then last week, Dan shared that although sin is tempting and we have our own desires for our life, God's desires for our life and God's life for us is better. Being in the wonder of God is better than anywhere that we can wander from him. <clears throat> and tonight, my teaching, if I'm going to be honest with you, has had several different name changes um, across different documents, um, but they all basically say the same thing. So here are the three names that, uh, that I've had for this teaching. God is on the throne, which you'll see on the slide. It's kind of where I landed. But I also really like God is king and Jesus is king. And you know, because that's the theme of my teaching, I'm just gonna play Kanye's album, Jesus is King, um, and then come back up at the very end um, and wrap it back up. So in 27 minutes and four seconds, I'll be back up here to just like, you know, wrap it up. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, obviously. I know that that would be great for some of you. 
I will say that I did listen to it while I was writing this for a little while because, you know, I just needed a little inspiration, a little motivation. But tonight, I really want to focus on what it means that God is on the throne or that God is king because it has some serious, serious implications for our lives. But before we get too far into this, I want to acknowledge that for us living in the United States in the year 2021, it might be hard for us to fully understand what it means that God is king. Because we've never had a king that was in charge of our government. We actually made the country to get away from kings. So we don't really know much about it. And while that is true, the kind of king that God is, is completely different. Uh, it's more important in our lives than any earthly king or government leader ever could be. God's kingship is eternal. You might be confused by this, which is totally fine because I was when I was started looking into this, but because I was confused, I read 1 Samuel chapter 8. So we are actually going to read the whole chapter tonight together. Um, so if you have your Bibles out, um, turn to 1 Samuel 8. If you have the Bible app on your phone, pull it out um, and get it pulled up because we're going to be reading. If you don't have either of those things, it will be on the screen. But for some context, uh, 1 Samuel um, is the same book that uh, Dan talked about last week where King David, uh, his story is in 1 Samuel. But David happens later on because he's actually the king. But Samuel was a great prophet, and he was the spiritual leader of Israel. So Samuel actually talked to God. He talked to God, said, hey God, this is what we're thinking. God talked directly to Samuel, and then Samuel told the people of Israel what God said. That's incredible. That's amazing. But Israel was a small-ish country, and since they had uh, been freed from the Egyptians, they didn't really have like a king or a pre president or anything like that. They had prophets and judges that were spiritual and moral leaders, but they weren't like kings. They didn't lead them into battle or conquer other nations or other countries. And that was very different than the other countries of that day. Something else that's really weird and confusing is generally, back in that time period, the government's rules were also the religious rules, or the religious rules was also the government rules. So if you broke a religious rule, then you could like go to jail. It's kind of weird, right? It's different, it'd be like if, if we found out that you didn't pray and then you got arrested or you got fined or something like that. Hard to wrap our heads around. And also, the kings in the other nations that were around Israel were seen as gods. So they were actually worshipped as gods, and they were kings. But then they would die, and then their son would become king, and then he was a god. All very, very confusing. So anyway, that's what's going on in 1 Samuel 8, and we're going to pick it up there. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses, uh, we'll start in verse 1. <clears throat> so it says, When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. 
So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. So basically, the leaders of Israel come up to Samuel and say, hey, you're getting old, you're going to die soon. Your sons are not good leaders. They're off doing who knows what. And we want a king. Give us a king so we can be like the other nations. We don't want to be different. They wanted a person who was tangibly on earth that could tell them what to do and that they could worship. And this made Samuel really angry, probably for several reasons. For one, they're like, they're already counting on me dying. For two, they're like, your sons suck. And three, they were really disrespecting God as the king of Israel. So picking back up in verse seven. And the Lord told Samuel, listen to all the people, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you now. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. So Samuel goes to God and it's like, God, they want a king. What do we do? That's very disrespectful. I feel disrespected. And God says, yeah, I know. I already can tell that they are worshiping other gods by their actions because they were literally creating idols and gods and worshiping them. Um, And God wasn't their king and Samuel wasn't their king. They weren't letting God sit on the throne of their life, even though all he was really doing was asking them to love each other and love him. Not too hard, right? So going on in verse 11, Samuel said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage. The best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. So Samuel's saying, guys, having a king on earth that you worship that has all this power is going to suck. It's going to cost you a lot. He even says, you're going to be slaves to this king. But... The Israelites were okay with giving up all of those earthly things to have a king that's going to tell them what to do, that they don't have to think, they can just do it. But they, the king, that king, whoever it was, could not give them what God could, because what God could give them is eternal. So we're going to finish this off. In 19 it says, But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. 
When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, everyone go back to your own town. So again, there's this idea that the Israelites, they don't want to be different. They want to be like the other countries who have a king that they can see, that they can worship, that's going to go fight out and win battles. They thought that winning battles and growing wealth on earth was what it was all about. And here's the crazy thing is that God allows them to have a king knowing full well that it wasn't gonna work out. Knowing that they were wandering away from him and his wonder, he allowed them to wander. He didn't force the Israelites to love and to worship him. He didn't force them into his wonder. So there's two things that are going on in this story. There's Israel's desires and there's God's truth. I think I'm, yep, I've got a slide. So Israel's desires is they want to be like other nations. They want to be the same. They don't want to be different. They want a tangible person on earth to tell them what to do. And they thought that it would make life easier because they felt like God's rules and commands were restricting them. But God's truth in this story is that God's wonder is enough. That God is the ruler over the entire world, the entire creation, just like Nikki said. He created literally everything. And all that we have to do is we have to love him and love others. Right? That's it. Those are his commands. Those are his greatest commandments, is to love him and love others. And when we obey those commandments, it's actually freeing and not restrictive like they thought. And here's the truth. We are the Israelites. We want an earthly king to tell us what to do. Whether it's TikTok or Snapchat, politicians or church leaders, friends, family, girlfriends, boyfriends, alcohol, vapes, weed, sports, coaches, school, teachers, work, bosses. The list can go on and on. But we look everywhere in this world for something that is going to be a king that's looking out for our best interests, that's gonna love us and treat us well. But at the end of the day, all of these things make us wander from God. So how can we put God on our throne? I'm glad you asked that. That's a great question, because that's the whole point of this talk. But before I get to that question, I want you to know that God will always be on the throne. He will always be the creator of the earth. He will always be your maker and designer and know you, every single hair on your head. That is never not gonna be true. But he's not always front and center on your throne. He's not always the only thing on your throne. Because there's other things in this world that sit on our thrones and distract us from God, and make us wander, take us out of his wander. But God can be on the throne, and he can be on our throne too. And when he is, we thrive, and we stand in his wonder. And when he isn't, we wander. So I have an illustration here for you to visually see what I'm talking about. So I'm gonna move this so you can see. You might have wondered, Hey, Ben, why did you bring two chairs up here? Well, these are the thrones, guys, obviously. It makes sense. It's in my title. So, 
just for, you know, ease, the Holy Bible is going to represent God up here on the throne of the universe. And then this Bible is going to represent God on our throne. And I'm only telling you guys this because this is true in my own life, okay? I'll go specifically in high school. This is what I put on my throne, right? I put sports on my throne. These are some pretty cool shoes, right? Right? Come on. Uh, I put being cool and fitting in. I didn't want to be different, just like the Israelites. I put that on my throne in front of God. Sports again, baseball. Video games, right? Electronics, social media. I put all of that in front of God. The news, what was going on in the world. Culture, I put culture in front of God. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to do what was cool at the time. I put my own time in front of God. I didn't make time for God, right? I was lazy. So all those things blocked me from seeing God's wonder and made me wander. And it took a long time and a lot of great people for me to come back into his wonder. So, the only thing that will always lead us to God's wonder is God's word. We can invite God onto our throne, but it has to be a daily thing. It has to take time. And when we do it every day, it starts to get a little easier. But every single day, we have to take everything off of our throne. We have to take it all off until it's just God left. And then, and only then, we can stop wandering and stand in his wonder. So a couple tangible things that you can do is get into his word, read the Bible, talk to your small group leaders about the Bible, come to Big House, hear the teachings, listen to other teachings, get into his word, get into his creation, get outside, see God's beauty, talk to other people about how they see God's beauty. But that's how we can clear off all the other junk and just get to God. So I'm gonna invite the band up, um, but I wanna leave you with two questions. And they're up on the screen, maybe. First question is who or what do you let sit on the throne of your life? So who's blocking God on your throne? Who or what do you let sit on the throne of your life? And how can you push everything else off and let God sit on your throne? Let me pray. God, thank you uh, that you are a God of wonder, that you created the world and you created us and everything in it. God, help us to stand in your wonder and to clear everything off of our thrones so we can stop wandering. It's all in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.